You're listening to the Avoid the Trap Podcast, a show dedicated to helping bettors exploit the betting markets using unconventional strategies and tactics. Turn up the volume and listen closely. The show starts now. Uh, hey guys, we are back with episode 12 of Avoid the Trap Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Smith. I have professional sports better David Miller and professional sports better Antonino DeRosa on with us today. And we're going to be doing this once a week for throughout the entire football season. So hopefully we can provide you guys some betting value and stuff that'll help your handicapping and making better bets. So what's up, David? How's it going in Colorado? Oh, it's great. Great weather. Just Great time. Feeling good right now. <laughs> yeah. How, how, how did last weekend treat you with the full board of college football? How did that go? Uh, not that great, but not that great. And then on the apps, it went all right, but we got all the restrictions pretty quick, and that was frustrating. This so, early, I mean, huh? you have to take what the defense gives you, keep going, and just and if you're that good, you'll find a way to make it all work, right? Well, are there some new companies this year that – that wasn't there last year that maybe could help you stay in the game? Yep, that's exactly right. Yep. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on top of that. So, yeah, and then, okay, so in the contests. Yeah, let me talk about that. Uh, well, I'll, I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, and how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, sports betting-wise, I got crushed last week. Total <laughs> demolishing. But uh, life is good, you know. The good news is once Monday starts, you forget about the previous week's results. Well, both of y'all have sounded like you both lost. So how do you handle that as a professional better? It's bankroll management strategy from, okay, I had a losing week, going into a new week. How's your mindset coming off a loss? Well, you question your process a bit, making sure you didn't fuck anything up or you didn't screw anything up. But overall, I used to wear the losses on my sleeve a lot. But after you do this for so many years... I brush it off pretty easily. Like, I always have a smile on my face. Don't really care about winning or losing every single bet. I care about winning over the long run. And, uh, you know, you just keep on moving forward. But I watched some tennis matches last week and where we had some tennis girls, like plus four and a half, plus five and a half, going into the last set tied. And uh, we lost some pretty big positions by, uh, you know, Mertens getting 6 0 by... I forget who she played. And then another girl, Wang, getting 6 one in the third set. But mm. uh, I just keep at it. And uh, then, uh, in my opinion, if it's been working for so long, you don't worry about a losing week. You you know, you revisit things every couple of weeks, if that makes sense. Because losing a week can be more of, I don't want to say luck, but more random versus long run of variance playing itself out, correct? Yeah, I mean, uh, we've had yeah. losing months, you know, but uh, it's just part of variance. But a lot of people freak out over a losing weekend and they want to just go out, bet bigger, bet bigger, try to get their money back. That's a lot of nah, amateur nah, bettors. No, nah, don't do that. I don't really use Kelly Criterion to make my bets. I'm kind of a flat better kind of guy. But, you know, as long as you play within your limits, within your bankroll, and you have an edge, and you can't, you know, you don't have the risk of ruin. Like, uh, you can be at it for a while before you start winning, and that's okay. David, is is that kind of the same strategy that you go off of on losing weeks? Yeah, I don't worry. I'm the best, and I know everything. <laughs> so I don't worry. 
the only thing is, uh, no, we we lost pregame. And then the other stuff we won, but the restrictions were what was killing us. Yeah. We were getting accounts locked literally by like the second betting round. And I was just thinking in my head, where did this come from? Because we were betting at those places like for two months at the end of last year. So I was I was just sitting there. How what did they just all of a sudden this season want to change how they do it and, and ban everybody? So I don't know. That was killing me. And then yeah, no, I'm not worried. All right. I was thinking, have to fund the contest and stuff like that. Well, let's break out down these NFL contests this year again. Uh, our side group calls you a contest whore. So I know you love the contest, the recognition. But let's talk about strategies. I know everyone's in the circus survivor strategy. So break it down. Like what 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 can you tell us about the survivor stuff with Circa? And like how do you what what is there some strategy, helpful tip that you can you know give us to to our yeah. listeners? Yeah, I don't think like I really I'm convinced Randy disagrees. I think the survivors are just massive luck, like more than anything. But he he actually disagrees because late in the year, you have for circuit, you have to make your whole strategy for those late in the year Saturdays, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Because remember, they have games on Saturdays, and then circa makes you pick games basically every day, all those days. So if let's say there's only two games and you've used either both favorites in those two games already or all four teams that happened to somebody one year, you're eliminated. So you have to form your entire strategy for the year. On those days late in the year, you almost have to like pick those teams now and like map it out, map it out basically. You know, so if Buffalo's at home playing um, Arizona, I'm just making something up on Thanksgiving, you want to save Buffalo and then the other games to pick them you know, a perceived victim, you want to save Buffalo. So this is important. Randy is all about, like, this is not luck. It's it's a lot of skill. I still think it's a lot of luck. But, yeah, you need, you need to map it out in the Circa. And then in the other ones, not really, because it's one pick a week. So you can almost, like, bull rush and just take, like, the biggest favorites each week, the first or the second one, and then still make it into week 12 or week 13 and probably be all right. But then your other your other issue is you're going to be tied with a ton of people if you do win it. So so in the other ones, I would say you can go with that strategy. But in the Circa, you, you have to map it out. That's my tip. Now, does Circa have – I know last year they had even – I think it was Christmas Day as a separate day. Is that the same this year? Yeah, same. So imagine if you're the poor guy that you're going into Christmas Day and, and you're forced to take an eight-point underdog because mm. you, you map it out and you've already used all the chalk. I mean, yeah. this would be an awful feeling, right? Right. Yeah. Even last year, I think you got down to the last 15. You had an entry really close last year. I was even sweating it because I had a small percentage. I can't remember who the team yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, we got in the final 15 out of thousands yeah. – or final 21 out of, yeah, thousands of entries. So the EV was like 200,000, and then it was the Redskins and the or the Commanders and the Jets, and we lost that game. Yeah. I think they were touched. I mean, a field goal or a four-point favorite, maybe. Is that right? Remember. They were favored by four. They yeah, were favored by four. Yeah. But the whole year, Randy was like, you can't use this team and that team. You need to save them for Christmas. And I'm pretty lazy. I wouldn't have looked into it. Or he's like, you need this team on Thanksgiving, and then your two options are, are these two teams on Christmas. So we saved those teams all year because Randy did that. Yeah. Gotcha. He gets 
gets real into it. He'll he'll write down all the possibilities and go, you don't want to – I'll say a team, should we pick the Chargers? No, you need to shave them for the Saturday, blah, blah, blah. Huh. And I'm okay. So I guess because he works so hard at it and maps it out like that, when I say it's all luck, he gets offended. <laughs> so you're not with those that would say, okay, we need to see who's going to be picked the least, and that would be good because if the other team loses – you'll knock out a lot of people. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Well, I, I think it's like getting too fancy for so many weeks. Okay. okay. I mean, not, don't do that at the beginning of the year. Do that at like – and then, yeah, if you know everyone's taking a 10-point favorite and then the next one is, is minus eight and then the next one's minus six, I mean, yeah, you could throw a couple of entries on that minus six or you could throw like – you know, you could kind of do it like, all right, let's go five on the 10, three on the eight, and two on the six. And then, yeah, you're probably, like, if the 8 and the 10 get knocked off, your EV probably goes up just having only two entries left because more than 80% of the entries would be gone. So, yeah, there's definitely, like, all kinds of strategies you can go with. Or last year, we put, like, the same – I think it was only five you could buy. We put the same five on, like, the same team the first, like, seven weeks. We were just like, all right, we're going to – we're just going to, like, go for it. on the. And then we started spreading them out. Yeah. So, I mean, you can do that. You can just randomly mix it up. I mean, there's all kinds of stress. But mapping it out for Circa, I hate to sound like a broken record, is essential if you're going to pay that kind of money. Let me ask you one question, one another question about it. So, can't you bet the Thursday night game on all your entries and rebuy in? Don't you get a chance to rebuy? I, I, think, I think you can. Y'all don't, y'all, you don't look at that at all just to have, just yeah, to do it? I think you can also do it on Monday. You can rebuy to the Monday game if you okay. You lose Sunday. I got you. Right. And then I understand that. Yeah, I believe you can too. So, for instance, if it was a bloodbath week one like it was last year, you can go and rebuy on Monday because it's actually, like, really good because they've lost – last year they lost, like, whatever, a third of the field or half the field week one or something. Yeah, so, like, obviously it's super plus EV or whatever to go and rebuy for Monday. Got you. So what about the contest we got to pick five against the spread? Is there a certain – are you doing – We're going to win that. We're going to win that, sir. <laughs> I think I think Ant has something to say about it because he just put his entry in, he said. Well, you're going to be battling me in the DraftKings one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're in that one? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing that one. The weird thing I want to say about all these contests is uh, I would tread lightly the first couple of weeks – because I truly believe that the closing line or the line before the game starts is less meaningful than later in the weeks. I'm just going to throw that out there for everybody. I get it. Like an easy strategy is look at the biggest favorite, pick that one. Or another strategy is let's look at the lines that move the most in an NFL week and pick those games for the uh, betting against the spread games. But I truly believe that the first week and maybe the first two weeks, the closing line is way less meaningful because they haven't played any games. All these people that are betting with power ratings and models and all this other stuff, they're only using priors and they're only using what they think how strong the players actually are. But a lot of times, like they make more mistakes at the beginning than toward the end, I think. So, Ant, you paid all that money knowing we were in it already. No, actually, I found out you guys were in it right before the show. 
Micah was telling me. Oh, Aaron, it's all right. It's all right. There's a third place for you. You got third place coming. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm not actually a contest person, to be honest. So I don't think I'm plus EV, but I thought it would be fun. You to are. Play. No, you are. You are. You definitely are. And then they only have nine so far. I, it was nine last night when I went to sleep. Yeah, I looked last night too, and there was only nine entrants. So I don't know. We'll see. Okay. So do you want to talk about like the super contest structure? And... Yes, please. Yeah. I want to get into okay. that. Yeah. Okay. So the super contest, what they do is Wednesday, they just take whatever their lines are on the board and they put it on the contest card. That's what they do. The Circa randomly will like, let's say they have 10 on a game. They'll put on the contest nine and a half sometimes, or even nine. It's really weird. I don't know why they do that, but, and it's always tough because let's say you like the plus 10, and then you're looking at nine on the contest thing, and then everybody has a 10. You're going, man, I have to either lay the nine or pass here. So I hate when they do that. I wish they would just, but I mean, I guess it could go the other way too, where they could put, and 11 and you take the 11 but it seems like they never do that they short the team that has the perceived value and i'm telling you it'll be like a flat 10 everywhere it's not like some of the places have nine and a half and, and then they do it so it's it's weird i i don't know i don't know why they do it or they pick them they'll put one and a half when nobody has even one <laughs> like, i don't know so that's how they do it and then you pick five you pick five against the spread a bush is a half is win is one and then whoever gets the most gets, obviously, the prize structure. But Circa's doing it a little different, too, because they have a prize pool for last place this year. So, And I believe it's 15% of the prize pool. So there's a structure for, like, last, last place, I think second to last. So some guys might go for that. And I know some want to go for it from week one. I was kind of thinking, man, if I just have a couple that that start bad, like one and yeah. four, then I'll do that. But, but I think best. it's going to be just as hard to get last than to get first. Yeah, because if each person in theory is truly fifty percent and nobody has an edge, it kind of doesn't make sense in my mind with only fifteen percent of the prize pool going to that to go for last from the beginning. But I mean, I could be wrong there, but other people think I'm wrong. I don't see why you would do that when 85% of the money is on the top. So I don't know. I don't know. Not sure. And they have the quarterly payouts too, right? Still. Yeah. Right. So basically if you're like me, I like to put the same picks a lot of times on different entries. You have to kind of be aware of that. And like, if somehow you are like 13 and two or, or 14 and one or whatever, you're forced based on that to mix it up on that fourth week. I mean, you have to. It's a disaster if you don't. And literally, like, if you have, like, 10 entries that are all, like, 13 and 2 or 14 and 1, you should literally space out all the picks as much as you can in that fourth week. It, it just it makes total sense to do that. Even so if you just throw time, You're putting, like, your top two or three on the same entries and mixing up one or two of each. Yeah. yeah. I've always done it like that. Yeah. And then some people do that. I mean, I, I think most professionals do that. Because there's only so many, like, A, decent prices, B, strong reads you have. So I think most people do do that when they have multiple entries, especially if you have five to ten. I mean, there's only so many picks if you're picking five, you know? Right. 
Do you ever go like, if you know that like a huge percentage of the field is going to pick a game, do you ever try to be contrarian and not take that game? If they get it wrong, gaining like one full point off of the entire, you know, 70, 80% of the people, that's like a huge swing, right? Yeah. And the time it makes sense to do that is in the super contest gold where it's winner take all. So I'll give an example. People even did like debates on online on this. I saw it. Let's say there's like four weeks left and you're... I don't know, I'll say you're four games out of first. And there's only, so there's 20 picks, you're four games back. It would totally make sense there if, you know, everybody's going to lay two and the line's three to take the plus two. Because you, you, you're almost like all in on that one game. <laughs> like, so it, may, it would make sense there. But the other problem in, about doing that is, is the prize structure is paid down quite a bit. So it's like the top, you know, however many people get money. So you, so if they, you're still so up they, to run it. So Dave is saying definitely whenever you're in a contest, figure out the rules and the price structure because that yes. does affect the way you actually pick your games. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the price structure. Because let's say like something like ours pays top three. Let's say you're in third and like, you know, the first two guys are going to pick something. They kind of have you by the you know what because – third pays out money as well but if it was winner take all you're going into the final week you're two games back then absolutely you would you would flip the pick so yeah that's right also so i don't know if this was new but most used to like you could see super books westgates who everybody picked on saturday before in a sunday morning before nfl start now they started a paid service we have to pay for that, that information now and a lot of why I they I guess I, I don't know what the exact price is, but because a lot of people like to see who everybody's betting, fade the top five of the super contest in their daily betting, and so now they're making you have to pay for that information. If you don't pay for it, you can see who everybody picked on Monday for the following Sunday. But that's so random and weird. Who's yeah. making you pay for it? The, the the Westgate? Yes, correct. That's so ridiculous. I don't. What do you think of that, Ant? Uh, I think it's a bunch of noise that doesn't mean very much personally, but <laughs> I'm not really sure. I would never pay for that yeah. product. What do you mean? You you said fade the top five. So like, yeah, a lot uh, of like your if you all these forums or even on VSAN, uh, the, the top five in the super contest have these picks. These picks. Do we fade the top five consensus that everybody talks about? It's kind of a media thing, right? But your average better has gotten a little bit more sophisticated the last like ten years. I'm going to give an example. The number one pick is the Giants plus four against Dallas. And you're going, I'm going to fade that. But then you look down and I'm going to make another one up. And it's two and a half, the going rate. The reason that like that was the number one pick is the price. You can't get the price anymore. I I think people have to kind of factor that in too, you know? Yeah, I agree with your statement. I just don't think people care about what's the going rate. Most better, your average better don't. Let's go and ram just blindly fading. I don't care what the line of price is. Well, the guy that would pay for that service wouldn't get it at all. So, yeah. Because exactly. I mean, why would you pay for that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then one guy can just go, it doesn't make sense either because one guy could go, all right, does everyone want to ch- everyone want to chip in? I'm going to buy this and I'll just put the results every Saturday in the forum here. Yeah, sure. okay, sure. And like, when, 20 people can just all go in on it. And if just one guy posts all of it, it like kind of kills their what they're trying to do. So I don't see how it'll work. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, just NFL betting in general. I know because 
I've always valued your informational NFL, and you do a lot of games at post. And I feel like a lot of times we're on the the crappy dogs, you know, like the Browns in the past, the Jets in the past. So is that – but you usually bet those teams later in the week because usually those teams have a – the line is moved against you in that, during that timeline. Does that make sense versus doing it on yeah. the week? Yeah, and it comes down to like if we're just staring at Arizona, Washington, and we see it go from seven to seven and a half all week, and we're going, all right, they kind of open things up on Thursday. They're probably more open on Friday a little bit. I, I don't know, Ant knows. And then Saturday, we're, we know they're taking a lot of bets. If we're staring at nine and a half, like Sunday morning, it's just human nature to just go, okay, this is just a false move. I mean, it, and not not all the time, but and not necessarily false, but we know that it just moved too much. I mean, especially if it's bouncing back and forth between seven and seven and a half. I just have to take that plus nine even money on Sunday morning or that minus six even money. It's just like I can't pass those ones. <laughs> right. And over the long run, they've done well. You know. And can you kind of break down what it takes from the bookmaker side to move a NFL side or total? Just any big bet, or how does it work? I mean, usually, if you don't take any bets, you're not going to move the line because that shows you that the line is strong. Usually, when you take either bets from a sharp guy, uh, usually you move the line or a guy you you respect. But when you're, I don't know, let's say it's a very public team like the Cowboys, if a sharp guy bets the Cowboys, you're going to tend to move it more than you normally would move it. Because you know the public is going to be on the Cowboys, right? So if it's a non-public team and the sharp guys bets the other side, you know, versus the Cowboys, you're going to tend to move it less. So it really depends on many different factors. How much action you've already written, how much has the line moved, how smart is this person, why is he betting now and not later when the limits might be higher, there's a lot of things that should be going through the trader's mind as they're moving lines. You can also move the line just on pure air. If you have a couple of sports books that, let's say I'm trading in DraftKings and I see Pinnacle and Circa and Beckris all move, yes, they could be getting manipulated. That's true. But it's so expensive to manipulate all three places at once that I might still move an air even if I don't take a bet. I might not move it as much as they moved it, but I might move it a little bit, you know, try to like hedge my position or hedge my bet. But, you know, it takes a lot less money to move a total. Totals are way less liquid than spreads and money lines. And uh, yeah, it also depends on the risk tolerance of the book itself. You know, some sports books, they're willing to have big positions on games, even with no opposition on the other side. Some sports books, they like, so we're going to take a big position. You still need some money on the other side, right? Or at least a few sharks. So it just really depends what kind of shop you are actually running. That's my next question was, do sharp books, Bet Chris, Pinnacle, do they move on air ever? Of course. Of course. You'd be stupid not to. Not always. But this idea that they only move the line when they take a bet, that's just silly. Like, if you're trading six and for whatever reason – Circa goes to seven and Pinnacle goes to seven. If you move your line to six and a half, you're still going to take that bet at six and a half. So it's just be silly not to do that. So why am I supposed to take a minus six bet when I can take a minus six and a half bet? I'm not advocating that they should move to seven, but you know, moving it a little bit 
it doesn't hurt. And then if people take plus six and a half, you say to yourself, well, I can move it back to six and I'm definitely getting a bet, right? But if you take a bet at minus six because you didn't move it on air, your next move, if it's six and a half, most likely your next bet's going to be a six and a half. So I know that a lot of sharp bookmakers, they say, I will never move on air. I only move when I take bets. Well, if you're doing that, you're not maximizing the equity of the sports book. And at the end of it all, it doesn't matter what bets you took. The only thing that matters is if you actually overcharged enough whenever you got those bets. And that's how you create equity for the sports book. You want best bets at good positions. You know, if I'm taking a bunch of minus six and then I take a bunch of plus seven, that's way worse than taking six and a half and then plus seven. Okay. So why can you break us down a couple examples of mine? Would a sharp guy who you guys respect bet early versus betting late when he can bet more? Is he scared the line's going to move the well? Well, people, there's multiple factors. I mean, one can be that that sharp guy already can get down enough to uh, fulfill his appetite, but also he might think that the line has way too much. You know, like do I prefer betting a two percent edge? Or do I prefer betting, you know, for more money? Or do I prefer betting a 5% perceived edge for half the amount? That is the dilemma that every sports better has every single day. So, you know, those are the things that you have to wait for yourself. But yeah, it's weird. Like you can have a guy who beats whatever openers by 8%. And then you can tail all of their picks where the price is still in range five days later. You're not going to hold 8% because the times that you still find the price, their price is the time that they were wrong. So, you know, you have to take that into account whenever, you know, you are tailing a shark or booking a shark because they're all the bets have different meanings based on what has happened since they met their bet. Let me, let me ask you a question about that. So let's say a guy makes 10 bets and Two of them are still there Thursday. I okay. would have better. But let me ask you this. What do you think? And, and it's like there's a lot of factors, but you're thinking on Thursday, if it's still there, there's zero edge, a small edge. Do you think the line's still going to go the way that he needs it to go in the long run after that? If the guy makes 10 wagers and eight have moved a lot and two are still there a few days later, probably those prices – they could still have positive EV, but it's probably not nearly as good as all the other bets. Okay, what if he takes plus seven twice and the plus seven's still there on Thursday, and then Saturday morning before kickoff, the games get better, like seven and a half and eight. You're just complete. it's completely out of your mind at that point. You don't even care. No, no, new no, I still have it in my mind, but, you know, as a trader – you have to keep that in your mind. like, And that's why you probably, as a trader, I've moved the line on the favorites slower than I normally would, right? So that stuff is still in your mind, but I'm not going to take a huge position on a guy who has plus seven and, you know, he was wrong in that scenario. Like, I'm going to try to find another sharp guy that takes plus eight and a half before I take even of a bigger position because I've already taken the position ideally on his first time that he's bet okay what about if your guy says all right we're gonna load up from plus seven on monday for a college football game you bet or whatever it goes to six 
and then it just slowly keeps getting better. Do you guys just add to that position? So now it's like eight on Saturday morning. Do you guys repop uh, that one? No, we don't. I don't get it. I just don't get that, man. Sorry. I can you no, elaborate on that? It's just we're not the brightest, you know, we're not the best out there. I mean, we're good, but the times that there's market opposition is because somebody else smart is on the other side. If we already got our fill in, even though we have more perceived edge, that's the times when you're wrong, you're just going to lose way too much money. And we're wrong a lot. So, but, but I would say whatever the formula is, it seems like a strong formula. And then I would just be the guy that goes, no, your perceived edge went up. We have to keep firing. That's how I would look at it. And like, I don't know if you have a winning formula. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, oh, we're wrong. I would just think in my head, all right, these other people are wrong and, and like they're giving us more value. And I would, I would feel obligated to refire myself. But I mean, I, I could see what you mean. Like, all right, we had a misread. Let's just throw in the towel and leave the positions we have and, and hope for the best. But then I, yeah. I just would look at it like, no, you have a perceived edge. <laughs> other oh, people are wrong. Yeah, that's what maybe that's an ego thing. No, we might do stuff like that in sports. It really also depends, like how confident you are in the sport that you're doing, right? Like, I would never do something like that in the NFL, which is a strong market, but I might do that in a tier two soccer game. You know, so it just kind of depends. But usually, whenever our price that we bet gets better, we usually try not to add on to our position. Okay, let me give you this scenario. So what if the college football game, it you bet plus seven, it goes to six, but right before the game, which is a lot of public money, as you know. That we might bet. But if yeah. we bet plus seven on Monday, and then it went back to six, and then slowly goes to back to seven or seven and a half, we're not going like, to. Like Tuesday and Wednesday you're referring yeah, to, Yeah, right? or thir- even Thursday or Friday. But then, you know, if uh, – if it, that happens on Sunday, maybe we might bet it, but you know that's not very often that stuff like that happens. Then why do you do it in that soccer one? Because you you have a bigger edge over time with with all the numbers. Well, we think that we're stronger in soccer because those markets are way less liquid, and the information there is you know less fluent. And I think that soccer in general, it takes very little money to move the price back to where we were at. But in a football game, there's some real money if, you know, if the price gets back to our price. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. All right, interesting. Yeah, I can just be like a witness to David. I know, in my opinion, of all the sports, I feel like David's strength is NBA. David may disagree with me there, but I can – well, you know because you track it all. I don't track anything. I, I just I, bet. I, track it. I know you, you'll come at me with this line got better. It's right before tip-off. There's no injuries here. This guy is wrong. If we, we hit it more all the time. I do it 100% of the time. I'm yeah. like, no, I have to keep Especially it. Especially NBA, you do. I know. Well, no, he has a point, though, that like other people know things, too. Sure. But I, I kind of think – I'm always just thinking in my head, okay – this could just be like a lot of public money. The trader could just overmove it, especially when you have like companies like Pinnacle and and now the exchanges. I mean, you can almost bet like juice free if you just sit there and like sniper the game. If you're like going, all right, I have plus four and a half, it's minus 108. And then for like a split second, it goes to minus 101. 
you bet it, and then it goes back to 06. It's like, I don't know. And I feel like the timing of the bet, I'm pretty good at that too. So I just always repop them. Even in college basketball, I just always do. If it's my own like ones, not like something I'm staring at on the screen or whatever. That's what I mean. Believe in. Right. Like if I take plus nine and the game's like going to 11, I'm like, no, no, this is crazy. And I, and I just keep betting it. Yeah. But I mean, obviously you get into trouble sometimes. Have you tracked when you do that? If you actually have a bigger ROI or. No. Yeah. No, I want to. I'm just lazy with like tracking and spreadsheets and all that stuff, you know, but I mean, it does make you when you, when you're, because we're thinking about a lot right now, because we're talking about it. It does make you want to go, okay, a, how does that original bet do? It might even break even on that original bet. And then B, when I do add to one that got better is, does that edge go up? Where, where do I stand on those bets over a big sample? It would be interesting information for sure. Like if you could just look, your entire lifetime, how is it done? It would be an interesting thing to to look at for me. Yeah. I without knowing much, I think that you're probably not faring very well in those spots. I don't know, man. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like they win every time. I don't know. <laughs> Before you repop, do you like scour the internet or Twitter and try to figure out hey, maybe somebody's hurt or anything like that? Not really. Yeah, or you just go, all right, well, if Don Best has a delay here on the information, because forever it was just Don Best. If they have a delay on the information, let a few minutes go by where for sure they caught up to it in a few minutes, something like that. But now it's like, I felt last year they were, their information sucked last year. It, it was no, always it's, delayed. It's really like, bad. It's really bad. It's Don bad, Best yeah. got hauled by, Don Best, like, just to give you a, a, an example, they got bought by a company called, I think, OpenBet or PointsBet. I'm not sure. One of these companies. And that's not their main. Like, it's a company that doesn't care about Dumbass. You know, it's kind of like we have this other primary business. And now Dumbass is kind of like our secondary business. That's why Dumbass hasn't got better in years. That's why Dumbass is only getting worse. than their injury info is just wrong, slow, or bad. So. Yeah. That sums it up. I mean, so, yeah. Then, yeah, we'll have, we'll use. <laughs> the spank odds or whatever that's what randy he goes you need the spank odds and then i i get kind of stuck in my ways i don't know about you guys i've been so used to staring at that screen forever but the spank odds it looks like the same screen and it looks like the same kind it's of actually, setup it's actually completely exactly the same so you should just use it they also have a really cool feature that you can hover over a uh, sports book and it tells you the limits that they're taking Interesting. And then uh, I always hear Randy's computer go limit increase. I hear that like all, all day when you yeah, which, is, which obviously, you know, if Pinnacle's taking a thousand dollars on a game and then they're taking five thousand, obviously the line where they're taking five thousand is probably stronger, right? Yeah. So that's important to know. And another cool thing they have is another feature that they have that Dumbest doesn't have is they show you best price in the market on any line. That's pretty dope, man. So, you know, if you want to lay six, it highlights the sports book that might have five and a half. That's for, man. So he's got that. I mean, how can anything compete with that? Well, I'm sure there's other things that people do. Like, I, like I've never used unabated screen, but supposedly that one has a lot of cool features as well. I don't know if you ever tried it, but it does not look like Don Best, but it's a lot different too. Interesting. Yeah. 
Well, what do you say, either one of Ann or whoever, to guys like I listened to a podcast with Alan Boston. I don't know if you know who that is, the college basketball better. He's professional college. He says that he likes it when the line goes against him. He wants his trades, his bets to be discreet. He does not want the sports book knowing what he's betting. What do you say to that? It seems like a random thing to say. I, I don't know. What do you think, Ant? I mean, if you are actually so full of yourself that you think you know best than the whole world, yes, then having not having closing <laughs> line value is good because then your accounts last longer. Great. But me personally, well, I don't think I'm the best in the world, not even close. I will, if I, every single bet I make does not get any closing line value, I know that I'm doing something wrong. And I kind of don't want to do that. Yeah. I love that question and answer. Oh, man. Well, even even the guy I won't say his name that I bet football that you introduced me to at Bet Bash and just first thing was these numbers can't move. I don't want yeah. to see the screen light out. I don't want them to move. So yeah. if they move, you can't do this for me. So yeah. that's I mean even him said that. And I know you trust what he says. No, like like the reason why they don't want so soccer is a bit different. Oh, uh, the guy the football the soccer you mean the American football. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, They uh, some bettors don't want the lines to move, but not because they don't want to get closing line value, because you're doing the work there. Your account's getting cut. You could care less about that. Is the reason that they're trying to get down as much as possible. So if a line does move a little bit, it ruins it for everybody okay. else. Got so it. that's why I think. In soccer, there's a little weird thing that's more prevalent than other sports. Like, let's say your model shows that you have value on, on the team. If the line steams too much, it's more likely you won't have that same value on the same team the previous week, the next week. So that some makes- groups don't want the lines to steam for that. Um, that makes- yeah. And I assume American sports is a little bit like that too, but in soccer is very prevalent. If you have value on a certain team, most of the times you will have it on the following week, as long as it didn't steam very much. that's an interesting point right there that's interesting i think a lot of people don't think of that because yeah if if the line moves a lot like four all the way down to one in a college basketball game they've got to kind of see the bets coming in and go man this team's underrated so even if they get blown out that's got to be in their mind going into the next week or in their algorithm it's got to be in the algorithm somewhere right yeah there was a lot of times where i i saw that in uh, baseball where people that were betting against and for pitchers, if the pitcher flights would steam a lot, then uh, the following time they would come up, you know, they would be less value. The worst is when you're wrong and you bet on a guy because your model shows value, then that guy gets shelled. Your model the following week is going to even show more value. And that when you're wrong, you're going to be wrong for a while, if that makes sense. But can I ask you a question? So when you saw that, like when you said, okay, so-and-so's pitching and the line moved a lot, and you're you're thinking, okay, this pitcher has value. What if it was some other factor, like, okay, the, the bullpen that day was ready? Or what if there was just some other factor where yeah, it yeah. wasn't? Obviously, it could be other factors. It could be lineup changes as well. But when we traded baseball, we would keep track group that would bet on a pitcher or against a pitcher. And I think that's what the people mostly do when they're betting baseball is they find value either they think a pitcher is not, you know, he's undervalued or they think that a different pitcher is undervalued or overvalued. 
So you'll see like really sharp groups always betting on like for a pitcher or against a pitcher. That's what they normally do. Okay. Well, you know, you know what they're looking at. I mean, it, it makes sense that it would be like starting pitcher based. So yeah, that makes sense. On the topic of MLB, how is your MLB uh, betting on Ant that you were going to try? Uh, It's going good. I found some. uh, I've been betting baseball like those last couple of months. The model looks nice. I found some things I was wrong on, which I fixed. And I'm uh, trying to get it ready for the playoffs. I want to blast. I have a website we can make and sell your picks. Are you down for that? (laughs) Well, I only bet live. So. So selling picks in live is pretty tough. That's pretty tough. I, I, I only bet between innings or between each F inning. Nice. And teach us so we can take it over. I want to learn how, you're, how to do your model. I want to, I want to take it over. Yeah, if you want, uh, during the playoffs, we can get like on a Skype call or a call together and we can do some betting together if you like. What do you have? So, I mean, can you tell the people like a basic part of it? So do you have a certain like, okay, when so when one team's up one run, like, is it something that just adds really thin value in it, but it works when you, when you price uh, shop? Yeah. I mean, there's not tons and tons of value to be honest. There's a couple of percent, but basically it's, I'm taking the closing line of a game and then uh, I'm simulating all the next at bats from both teams. So, yeah. The times I find value is I think the market somewhat underappreciates one team having an extra bat. So a lot of times I'm betting the home team. And I also think that the market, so let's say there's no runs being scored in the first few innings of a game. The market thinks that there's more less likely runs to be scored for the remainder of the game. So I'm betting a lot of overs when it's zero zero in the third. Did you just get bored or go? I I need more money. I need to create this real quick. No, it was, it was something I always wanted to do, but I never had time to do it. And the summer I was in Italy and I had a lot of free time, and I just kept working on it basically. No, good for you, man. You you stay you stay hungry. <laughs> Your game is. I don't know, diverse. You're all over the place, American stuff, <laughs> other stuff. <laughs> yeah, good for well, you. Well, <laughs> well, here's the problem. Like, I, I feel that sports betting is tough because you always have to evolve. So especially if you're originating, because some of the edges you have, you know, they go away eventually. But like I kind of hate the part where I work with other groups and I bet their bets because like I feel that that's not sustainable because you never know when the other Groups either have made too much money and they want to quit. You never know if they lost their edge. You don't know any of that, right? So, yes, I love to bet other people's stuff, and we do plenty of that. But at the end of it, if you want to keep sports betting, you have to have some of your own stuff as well, in my opinion. Let me ask you a question. Sorry to interrupt, but just before I quit, forget this question, because you just made a really good point that I was thinking. So let me ask you this. Let's say that a guy is like killing college. I have to use American sports for my examples. I mean, everybody listen. Okay, so let's say a guy's killing college basketball and you have zero doubt that the guy's got an edge. You're going, okay, this is good stuff. And yeah, he comes to you one day and he goes, yeah, man, I think I'm going to retire. I'm I'm done with all this. What would be the process there? Would you try to like buy out 
his model and, and offer a price on how he comes up with the winners? Or would you B, just kind of be like, yeah, okay. Or C, like, would you would you have one of your people call him and then they would just it, take the model and figure out it, the picks themselves? If I have a relationship with a guy and, you know, most of the people I have a relationship with, I'm not saying we're friends, but we're very friendly. If I, I would say to him, hey, are you quitting because you've had enough or because you don't think you have an edge anymore? And if his answer okay. is, is just because I had enough, then uh, I would offer, and I thought his stuff was really good, I would offer him, hey, can I buy your thing or can I use your thing and just give you money? Like, we have some legacy deals where we, <laughs> we have some legacy deals in, in all of our dealings that we bet other people's stuff. And like the person that was involved is not there anymore, but we still give him a piece. So, you know, you can strike some deals with the people if the real truth reason why people are leaving is because they haven't lost their edge just because they want a break or stop or whatever. And then how hard is to maintain the model, right? Because me and my team, we're not that technologically savvy. So it would have to be something somewhat easy to maintain and keep updating. But uh, yeah, I would definitely approach them. Yeah, okay, good. That's a pretty good answer. Plus, I didn't factor in how hard it would be to maintain somebody's model, like you said. Or is it like time sensitive where, yeah, the window is closing in on the edge or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of factors, I guess. Yeah. But if you want to do some MLB playoffs, they start in October, we can do some together, Dave. <laughs> sounds fun. Micah, doesn't that sound like a good time? That sounds though? great, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. I think Ant has to go. He got an appointment, but and I'm going to ask you one question. You can definitely pass and say, oh, I'll give me time the next week, but is there a free pick that you could give out to the listeners in NFL week one? Uh, you're putting me in the spot. On the uh, spot. Okay. Well, next week I'm, we can prepare. But we should. What we should we do should is do that. No, we, we should do that. We should do that every week. Maybe Dave, do you have a pick for it? Have you bet I, in the NFL games? Well, I would I would take the Giants, but it's not a flat three and a half anymore. So I'll give out the and see you have to be right on this pick or it's embarrassing. No, no, out, it, it's out. okay. It's it's a marathon, hey. dude. No, no, no. You have to be right, man. I don't like being associated with losing. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll do it looks like you can get a flat three here and then I'll go with Chargers, minus three. All right. Okay. We'll see how that turns into next week. And you be prepared for next week. I'm going to ask you next week. All right. I'll be prepared next week. All right, guys. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, both of you. We'll see you next week. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah, man. Thanks. All right, All right guys. Bye-bye. See you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Avoid the Trap podcast. If you'd like more betting tips or want to learn how you can partner with us, go to our website, www.avoidthetrap.com. Until next time, remember, to the victor belong the spoils.